Hey, Dave. Yeah, Randy. Since we founded Bombas, we've always said our socks, underwear, and T-shirts are super soft. Any new ideas? Maybe sublimely soft. Or disgustingly cozy. Wait, what? I got it. Bombas. Absurdly comfortable essentials for yourself. And for those facing homelessness. Because one purchased equals one donated. Wow, did we just write an ad? Yes. Bombas. Big comfort for everyone. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50 luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns. And welcome to the AEW Rampage Review. I'm Adam Wilborn from What Culture, joined by one of the Dudley Boys, Michael Sidgwick from What Culture, to review everything that happened on Friday night's episode of AEW Rampage. But before we get into it, if you're a fan of this sort of thing, make sure you subscribe to What Culture Wrestling on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Amazon Music, wherever you get your podcasts from, for daily wrestling podcasts, where we not only review AEW Rampage, but also AEW Dynamite, Raw, SmackDown, the show formerly known as NXT 2. Oh, pay-per-views, premium live events. We have interviews, roundtable discussions, and a roundup of the week complete with a big quiz, of course, on wrestle culture. As I said, though, joined by Michael Sidgwick to review. Hey, I just met you. Rampage, baby. <laughs> and speaking of Rampage, what a Rampage Jude Bellingham had against Senegal last night. I've started the SmackDown preview, uh, SmackDown review exactly the same. I'm gushing about England's performance last night. Did Bellingham lay the SmackDown on uh, Senegal? <laughs> Is that how you started it? I didn't it? quite say that. I said, uh, well, what a sensational World Cup. But uh, never more, that was a wrestling match on in the main event yeah. with Shane Santos as well. Uh, you ever seen that episode of The Simpsons where... Soccer comes to Springfield and Ken Brockman is uh, commentating on it and they're just passing it around. It's like the ultimate like joke about how Americans who need 500 points in a game to keep their bloody attention spans watch soccer. Where it's like, oh my God, it's only 2-1. Yeah. It's, it's only 2-9. to none. It's only 2-0. to zero. I always love that clip of the... Uh... English fans who, uh, English football fans have a checkered history, let's say. Um, but I've got to say, they are incredibly, I've never failed to be impressed with the chants that the uh, English fans come up with. We've got the classics, obviously. Come on, England, go on, England. England. All that, right? There's something very, whether it be Premier League, lower leagues especially, just very inventive chants to certain, you know, songs or whatever. And then there's that guy going, fight! And win for like, I don't know, Boston United or no, it's an English team actually. actually. Uh, but yeah, like DC United. He's <laughs> just a guy in a scarf and that's all he said. Score a goal! Fight and win. No, Jude Bellingham's incredible. Um, yeah, the first 20 minutes. You know what? This is a goddamn wrestling podcast. So let's have a wrestling Analogy. Okay. Discuss the World Cup because, God damn it, there's very little to actually talk about on this. I would describe the performance as not unlike that of Kazuchika Okada. Oh. We do, by express design, very little. 
right, for the first 20 minutes. This is a Southgate tactic. He does eh, very little. Pass it around the back, pass it around the back, pass it around the back. We're not even tiring people out or no. teams out by having them chase the ball because they are not willing to be adventurous because we can get them on the counter. But just the more the keep just passing it around the back, passing it around the back, passing it around the back, kind of inviting a little bit of pressure midway through the first half, like that's when you get them. Like that's when you get them. You think, oh, they're doing nothing here. Oh, Christ, that Bellingham has just gone 30 yards up the pitch with an absolutely incredible um, line break and surge. And he's just played the ultimate pass. Like he's broke at least two lines at once. Mm. And then you get Foden to Kane. That was great. And then, like, obviously the first goal as well was just tremendous. Like, if it wasn't for that one player, Kylian Mbappe, I'd be so confident. <laughs> yeah. Like, even if we had Argentina or Brazil or Portugal or Spain in the quarters, I'd be like, we can, this World Cup is there for the taking. Yeah. They, are no, they are on no planet a better side than us. They might be as good. They might be capable of the brilliance that these teams with all that talent can have. I would happily have anyone in this quarterfinal except Kylian Mbappe. Yeah, yeah. And it, I know you have to beat someone good. If you don't beat someone great with a great player who can just write the script and make it all about his insanely great individual performance, you have to beat the team that suppresses that player. So it, it, I don't go in for the, oh, you know what? It's a shame we've got this team. But my God, it is a shame we've got yeah. Kylian Mbappe because they it's just should arguably so should good. be the final. I think France Brazil, which I think is going to be the probable final. I'm a re- I'm an optimist when it comes to England. It's arguably too much uh, in previous years, but I think probably if I was going to put my bet my house right now, as much as I love England, I'd say it's going to be a France Brazil final, which I think is going to be brilliant. And uh, Sid and I have already booked uh, Pinaldo versus PNL Pessi in the third place playoff. I want that to be the two, final. They'd be the only two players who'd actually care about the third place playoff because, like, well, that's the decider who gets the bronze medal at the World Cup. Basically, it's just a shame that I think. But yeah, I think France England could be a sent, could have been a brilliant final. Yeah, it's just a shame that like I'm just so scared of Mbappe. The kid is just absolutely unbelievable. Like, if we had them in the final, you'd think if we'd because I'd honestly bet us to take on any team that didn't have Mbappe playing. <laughs> where if we had. Like Spain and then Portugal. I think, ah, we can beat these. Mm. We've got the beating of these. And if you can go to the final with that confidence and that attitude, then at least he made the final. But I don't even think we're going to get past the quarters because that's how highly I've rated Mbappe. He's not just the fastest player. He can use that pace, unlike any other player. He can... It's everything in sport. And in wrestling, just to, you know, tie this in a wrestling <laughs> yeah. podcast. It's about when to do things. You know, you got to hold and give, but do it at the right time. Indeed. As the great John Bond said, um, he knows when to accelerate. He knows how to just move that ball a little bit in front of him. And then he just, it's, he's already fast enough without the ability to use this pace like a genius. He's just amazing. So I am worried. But you know what? As long as we don't go 3 5 2 with three uh, center backs and just soak that pressure, because he can beat any defense. Yeah. That's how good he is. You have six centre-backs. do not really matter when you're playing. Against. Yeah, so I just really hope we stick to the 4-3-3. Um, go out I, on our shield. Go out on our shield, indeed. Because I, I, I don't like the idea, right, of just instantly going, oh, crap, when we play Senegal, my rubbish for 20 minutes. Like, I'll have a bit of a moan, but at the same time, you, just, you don't want write to your, write your team off. Like I do think the idea of support is very valid. Um, so I don't want to be that guy because it's all about supporting and get behind all of the boys. But 
when we dropped Mason Mount out of that team and went for a more four three three and put Henderson in there, we just looked Henderson like Henderson was so good. Henderson was great. He has got that sort of dark arts experience where a lot of he's people He's got are, that dog in him. He's got that dog in him. But he's got a dark arts experience where you're thinking, well, why is he someone's getting a bit pissed off at Henderson? Why are we playing him? All he's doing is just passing the ball back to that back four and back to the four and back to the four and back to the four. So he knows when to time that one all-important run. He's got the experience mm. of playing hundreds upon hundreds upon hundreds upon hundreds of games. So he knows that, right, okay, just hold it down, keep the shape, keep the shape, keep the shape. Right, they're starting to lose their concentration. Now's the time to surge forward, and lo and behold, he gets a goal. Or lo and behold, he sort of drags a defender out of position. So I, 4-3-3, stick to your guns. Don't, like base your formation and your tactics around the team. Because for me, that's always a subconscious admission yeah. that the team will get, that the, the opposition will always get a little bit intrigued by. If you're, through your formation alone, demonstrating to the other side that we're scared of you, mm. then that psychological yes. advantage is just theirs. And you're just chasing the game and you just it's a new system that you've not played in the tournament so far. It sends an indirect message to the players as well. Yeah. Like, right, okay, I'm scared of them. That's going to filter through to you. You're probably going to be scared of them. Just hold them in. Nah, we can play on the front foot as good as any side I've seen in this yeah. tournament. So please, Southgate, I want to support you. I feel like you can do it. Don't be a bitch. <laughs> yeah, I will say this. I think Gareth Southgate is the best England manager I've ever seen. And yes, I think he, he, is, deserves the, he deserves more respect. In our lifetime, sir. Yeah. Um, and... I just, it's not, the thing is that a lot of the times when you come to these tournaments and you go like, ugh, like when we were out in 2006, for example, and you go, well, no more Beckham, no more Owen. I know he wasn't the, the player that he was, but, you know, we're losing quite a few of our big players. It's this churn of, of amazing young talent. Foden and, and Bellingham won't even be arguably in their prime by the next World Cup. Yeah, so they'll just be entering it. Such, or there such a, uh, an exciting prospect. But, yeah, I watched the uh, the... France game before the England game on Sunday and went into the Senegal game with a weird sense of calm because I was like, cool, well, we either go out here or we go out next Saturday. Yeah. And then when he scored those two goals, I literally went, it was, like, well, if he does that against us, normally I'd be you know, chucking stuff about, bloody hell, why are we playing? I'm just going, oh, it's not fair. That it's is it. Fair. It's, it's just not good. fair. It's too good. But from one prestigious young talent to another, Darby Allen opened AEW Rampage um, against Cole Carter. I've got to say, I was pleasantly impressed by this. And I know I'm biased. It's, it's the former two dimes. It's the former two dimes. Um, but I thought, I thought for a match that you and I previewed, just went, yep, cool. I mean, you know, there's not, there's not a, you know, a percentage point that we think that, that, that uh, Darby Allen loses this match. But it, for, if you'd have said before, and this is going to go nearly eight minutes, I'd have gone, that's going like five minutes too long. But I thought they told a great story here. You started off with uh, Darby Allen... Uh, coming out with Sting and, and, and then Sting going to the back because he doesn't need him out there. And that was a story that would be mentioned later on. And he tried to challenge for the Dynamite. That's also on Dynamite. What a bloody stacked show we've got coming up this week. Anyway, uh, and there is Nick Comaroto, uh in the ring. Uh, that name, of course, uh, created by um, CM Punk, I believe. Um, he's there. He's got a baseball bat. Uh, no, sorry, he hasn't got a baseball bat. He gets hit with a baseball bat Tries by to toothpick. Darby Allen because he does the whole, there you wise guy. Ethan Page not do that as well? More on him later. Yeah. Um, and 
puts drops the bat for Car- Cole Carter, and Cole Carter from his days in the the mobs, like uh, he, he's almost like a gift horse in the mouth. Goes to pick up the bat, and Darby Allen takes his head off with this high speed plancher, gets him in. Bell rings, um, but Cole Carter shoves Darby Allen off the top. He sort of catches himself on the top rope and then gets power bombed into it. Uh, and Cole Carter, yeah, dominates. Chucks him around, chucks him from corner to corner. He smashes Darby Allen, does his only like, this isn't my body. I'm only renting it. So I can yeah. just t- take all the bumps that you want. Gets chucked into the ring stairs. Uh, and as we go to a break, the crowd are chanting, You look green, Cole Carter. Um, when we come back, Carter sets up for a power bomb, but Darby Allen, who seems to feed off the pain, fires back up. Joint manipulation hits a code red that gets him an earful. Goes up top. Carter hits an avalanche falcon arrow, which I thought looked great for a two count. Goes to the four fifty, misses that. Darby Allen tries to get him in an armbar. Carter tries to escape, uh, and Allen, uh, Allen transitions it into a hammerlock scorpion death drop. Coffin drop gets him the one two three. I'm disappointed in you, Wilborn. Oh. You've buried the lead here. Go on. What did I say on the Rampage preview when I was discussing, right, everything in AEW or 90% of things in AEW happen for a reason. Yes, certain things will get abandoned. Like, remember when Arn Anderson was watching on with um, disappointment when Varsity Blondes were being rubbish? Yes. With the insinuation being he's going to manage them and get them back to ways. I was going to say winning ways, but they've not actually <laughs> won much here to ways. I said that, well... It's not for nothing that Darby Allen has won two consecutive Rampage matches. Because even though they don't have a rankings system or a visual representation of it, at least, when people go on a spree of matches, it usually means they're going to be doing something, mm. particularly on TV. Who did I say he was going to challenge? Did you say he was going to challenge? I said he was going to challenge some more, Joe. I was going to say you say he was going to challenge the I TNT said that that would be yeah. a great opponent. Joe versus Allen would be amazing. And... Like, a bulb went off in my head when I thought, all right, well, this is going to win this match, and that follows the match he won against um, Anthony Green last week. That must mean there's going to be a story resulting from this. And this is the way around it should be. Wrestler wins fixed year. Wrestler wins another fixed year. Right, he's close to a championship. That's how it should be. Obviously, you know, grudge rivalry should happen. But, you know, at its core, that's what AEW is, and it's happened. And I knew he was going to go for Joe because I just thought, ah, oh, that match is going to rule, actually. Regardless, I don't want to give no credit to do ta- to two dimes here, particularly when he's been wrestling for less than two years, right? He did very well for that level of experience in this spot. But my God, Darby Allen is the literally most underrated professional wrestler on the planet. I know he's highly regarded. I know he's a former TNT champion. I know he's part of a very overact. I know he's delivered like almost as many classic AEW moments between the crazed stunts and the party matches with staying and the emotional peaks of defeating Cody. Like, this guy has achieved as many great highlight reel sort of fabric of the company moments as much as anybody else. I maintain that he's still the most underrated wrestler in the entire world. Yeah. If you're a professional wrestler and you get called into the building on a Wednesday or you get a little WhatsApp days before or weeks before, whatever, and you are told by Tony Khan, right, you're working Derby, you're thinking... Yes, mm. amazing. That guy is going to make me look absolutely incredible. In the case of Cole Carter, he is going two dimes. He is going to make me look so far advanced beyond my years that I, he should win most underrated and maybe even best wrestler every single year. Cole Carter, fine athlete, 
young, good-looking kid. Yeah, good body. Good body. He's never done anything where I thought, oh, he could be special. I've thought, oh, he's promising. He could probably be a very good wrestler at some point with the right schedule, the right attitude, the right booking, everything else. That goes into it. I didn't think, oh, sign him. He's a prospect. I yeah. thought, sign him. Oh, he might be a prospect, maybe. You've got enough prospects. You've got enough stars. He looks like a monster in this match because Darby Allen's just so goddamn good. And again, I'm not detracting from two dimes, but there were little moments where I thought, right, okay, this kid is very, very green, or at least he's got a thing that he knows how to do to get a minor reaction without really sort of owning the whole room. Like, he's got that smug, shit-eating grin yeah. where he looks very cocky. By the third or fourth time, he went to the top turnbuckle to do that. I thought, right, okay, you've got your one thing you've been told how to do. Do that face because you're good-looking, which is resentful enough in itself. <laughs> yes. And you've got, like, a really smug, like, loathsome expression on your face. The fact that he did, like, three or four times, I thought, right, okay, well, you need something else, because that's, like, mid-card is all hell, body language and um, crowd psychology. But some of, like, just, again, at Darby Allen, just the way he bends his body and contorts his body and bumps his body around, he can make anyone look like a god, and he made two dimes look like a god. Yeah in little snippets of this match. But again, yeah, um, I will be expecting my apology now. <laughs> Hell of a shout. Adam Wilborn. Hell of a shout. And uh, yeah, you know, I'm not going to get into the whole, oh, oh, what are we doing here, sort of bad faith take Twitter thing. But like when Darby Allen got powerbombed onto the apron, a move that we've seen over there take people out for months, it was a bit like, oh, that's a bit much. And then I was like, oh, no, wait a second, it's Darby Allen. He does that for fun. Yeah. Like, he, yeah, travel. I think he travels. That's what by his character's being, attributes. Yeah. He's got an incredible threshold for pain. By being sort of strapped in a body bag and just tied to the back of Sting's yeah. pickup. Truck, and you know, there's a difference between a cool cart, a powerbomb to the apron, and a Kevin Owens. Exactly, yeah. Um, right, Keith Lee is being interviewed backstage, or at least there's an attempt at an interview by Renee Paquette. Uh, but before anything can really happen in the developments in terms of swerving our glory, in comes a former ROH TV champion, Shane Taylor, who Renee Paquette introduces. That's uh, key. Carry yes, on. I would love to know your thoughts on this because I saw this all over Twitter over oh, God, the of weekend. Course he did. Of course he did. Comes in, challenges Lee. He wants to, you know, talks about their history, alludes to the fact that, you know, you people, blah, 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 you're a deserter sort of thing. Wants a tag team match uh, at final battle. Shane T and JD Griffey versus Keith Lee and I don't know anyone uh, Keith Lee can, uh, can find, I suppose. And uh, Swerve's, <laughs> Swerve's face after this just, just comes in smiling and Keith Lee's like, oh, yeah, are your thoughts on all this? Because a lot of people were uh, performative, let's say, on Twitter about this over the weekend. Yeah, of course they were. Um, look, right. <laughs> The, the blocking of this was pretty egregious, even by AEW, let's make a match via backstage interrupted segment because Keith Lee's standing there. Like, is there a door? I never hear a creak. Like that? You never hear that? No. On dynamite. I'll just shut that door, sorry. Thank you. So I never hear a creak. Why do the people never see who's standing pretty much to their immediate left? Do you know what I hope it is? Remember the uh, Rey Mysterio thing? You used to fire him up at the start of SmackDown. Yeah. <laughs> How ridiculous a mental image is that? Except it's not that ridiculous, or it is that ridiculous, but it's not that much more ridiculous than someone like teleporting yeah. <laughs> or someone on their tiptoes going, right, okay, I want to interrupt them. Can he see me? Um, oh, I'll just hide behind the curtain and go around. Just imagine what Shane Taylor's doing 
in the two minutes before that. He's having a conversation that he has to have on television, okay? So it's fake. We know this. But if you were to use your mind and think, right, okay, if this is real, what's happening here? Is he, like, lurking behind the curtain? Just the second that, right, when the show starts, I sneak around, what does that do? How would it sound like? Boom, 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 boom. Oh, it's a show that you've been waiting now. I'm pumping in your chest. Little rampage, baby. Friday night. You know what that means? Tony decided to give me the call for f***ing once. <laughs> I finally got a f***ing job to do. Thanks, Tony. God damn it. Anyways, rampage. So, like, Shane Taylor hears this. And he's like, right, okay, the show's starting. Um, okay, okay. I don't know what's on the show. Because I haven't seen the format sheet. No. So what I'm going to do is, right, just in case, Keith Lee is going to cut a promo tonight. I'm just going to hide behind the the AEW logo board thing yeah. where people cut these promos. Well, Keith Lee wasn't going to... Did they say we're going to hear from Keith Lee? I think we were going to hear... I don't remember now. Let me check my notes. I swear they might have said, hear from Swerving Our Glory. Okay, if that's the case, because yeah, they do generally. We we're gonna advertise this segment. It's thirty seconds. They that, yeah. the promo. Right. That being the case, still got an hour to just stand there. <laughs> right. Okay. You're Shane Taylor. You're thinking. Right. Okay. Well, it's n- the last twenty minutes. I should be fine because uh, Mark Henry does that bit, and then they do the main event. So yeah, they usually start with a match or an in-ring promo. They don't start with these things. So basically, any time between. Ooh, eight minutes into the show and the 42nd. I'm just going to stand here and just wait. And I hope it's a backstage interview because if it's out there in the ring, I'm going to have to hightail it out there. Pretty sharpish. On the way, I'll have to, on route, I'll have to tell the sound guy to cue up my bloody music. Yeah, yeah. It's just bloody ridiculous. That is a very, very long-winded way of me saying I have significantly more of a problem with that stupid mind's eye detail than... The introduction of Shane Taylor into uh, AEW television. Yes. Because, oh my God, why degrade yourself by pretending you're stupid? Who's that guy? They just told you. What's he doing here? They've just told you. How did he know Keith Lee? They've just told you. (laughs) Yes. Through a level of exposition at which WWE would blush. Not quite. They, They say that, you know, the Usos and... My dad, Ray Mysterio. Let's not go nuts. That's a bit of hyperbole. But they told you yes. with exposition that you would not hear on any other actual TV show. Like it's almost comically bad. That's the thing that you should be critiquing. Critiquing. Yeah, here. I agree. It's the terrible dialogue and the level of exposition. Um, because these two characters know what they are saying to each other. Right? They are having this conversation, which is woefully contrived. For my benefit, yes. okay? There must be a much more elegant means of doing this. They haven't arrived at it on in this particular example. But people are going, who's he? They've just told you, you stupid arsehole, except you're not that stupid. You probably are stupid, but realistically, you're, I don't understand, right, the people who pretend to be stupid on behalf of theoretical, stupid, casual, quote-unquote fans to bury AEW, mm. you're just making yourself look like an idiot. You're just making yourself look st- so stupid. Concerned trolling 
about a consumer who, in all likelihood, does not exist. Well, by that argument, no one new can ever arrive in WWE. Are you a vignette? You must need a vignette. Bollocks. I just, it's just like, I can and understand you going, oh, God, someone else knew, and, uh, you know, and we'll get into more, like, oh, so-and-so is all elite and all that. And we always call them out on it's that. It's just an AW grifter thing. It's just an AW <sighs> podcaster grift, right? Hey, I'm just getting annoyed. I'm sorry. Well, uh, no, it's fine. It's fine. I, get, I like the rant as well, mate. I like the rant as well. What's the difference between a character being introduced, one of the characters, or the, the commentator, just giving you a very quick little bit of supplemental conte- uh, context. Context. <laughs> doesn't right. count. Doesn't count. Doesn't count. Supplementary context. Right, this is this person, and they're here for this reason. Cool, I guess. Right. What's the difference between that and Raw after WrestleMania? He is such and such. You don't know who he is. The crowd know who he is, so or she is. So that inf- you are to infer from this that they're a star that you haven't heard of, but they're a bit of an under-the-radar mm. emerging prospect type, and they're going to tell you who they are. Yeah. I n- cannot recall a discourse so frequent pre-AEW on Twitter, which existed in the same age as NXT, just to make that clear, where all these people are going, don't know who this person is. Mm. Don't know who this person is. Well, you do, dickhead, because they've just told you. But it's just a bad faith podcasting grift, and you know what? Uh, like, I have more concerns about this particular character being introduced, or characters who get introduced in this way because of the excess yes. of the roster and all the rest yeah. of it. I'm not going to sit here and pretend I don't know who someone is when I've just been told. What's your name? Adam Wilborn. Don't know who that is. Have you... Of course I do. You've just said you... Can you tell me you won the 2016 Royal Rumble? Because after the third guy came out, I just turned it off because I didn't know who he was. AJ Styles? Never seen this guy AJ (laughs) Styles? If you're looking for plump lips that last, you need to know about Juvederm Lip Fillers. With Juvederm Volbella XC and Juvederm Ultra XC, your lip look, whether it's subtle or bold, can last up to one full year with optimal treatment and no additional maintenance. Find a licensed specialist and see if it's right for you at Juvederm.com today. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Add fullness to lips in adults over 21 with Juvederm Volbella XC or Juvederm Ultra XC. Do not use if you have severe allergies or a history of severe allergic reactions, or if you you're allergic to lidocaine or the proteins used in Juvederm. Tell your doctor if you have a history of scarring or taking medicines that decrease the body's immune response or that can prolong bleeding. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. As with all fillers, there's a rare risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. For full, important safety information, visit Juvederm.com. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com 
slash host. Wow. Nice. Yeah. What you're hearing are the sounds of people everywhere putting on Bomba socks, underwear, and T-shirts made from absurdly soft materials that feel like plush clouds. Yeah, that plush. And the best part? For every item you purchase, Bombas donates another to someone facing homelessness. Bombas. Big comfort for everyone. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST. Code ACAST. Right. Uh, we got a brief recap of how Bloody Devoured the Dark Order because Preston Vance has left him and how happy the... RFO, I think. Rouge family, family. I'm not keeping up with his bollocks. The, the latest family office. Oh, they're happy. He's a handsome chap. I'm glad he's taking the mask off. I'll just say that. Yeah. Uh, then the acclaim looks come out. Not unlike Ryan Gosling. Yeah, I could see that. He's not as handsome, but no. very few are. Not unlike Ryan Gosling. Uh, yo, listen. <laughs> I like the fact that JR says it along with him now. Acclaimed come out. Uh, to get interviewed in the ring, there's uh, shots at Jeff Jarrett and TNA in uh, Caster's rap this time. Um, and Bowens, you know, references the fact that those arseholes interrupted them recently. It says, you've got to wait in line. Um, we're going to give it to the best tag team in AW that's not us. It's going to be FBR, guys. Uh, but of course, before that can happen, out come Gun Club. I love Gun Club's music I really like right now because it's the perfect, I'll just, yeah. Really like it at the moment. Long time listener, great man, Fraser Cranium. Yes. Described this as he just wants to have a nice bath with some candles and he's getting knocked on the door by like any, like his mates going, no, I'm having a moment here. Yeah. It's just so beautiful. It's like spa music. Yeah. So they come out and say, uh, we're the best tag team and uh, screw you, dad, actually, effectively. Uh, And then out comes Jeff Jarrett and his gang. Uh, And I'm thinking, Right, don't whatever for once. I was like, whatever you do, don't hit anyone with a guitar here because you're going to get huge babyface reaction if you clock one of the gun yeah. clubs with the guitar. Sanjay Dutt argues, and Billy Gunn tells everyone to shut up, and he's hugely over, of course, his and me daddy. Uh, and FTR comes out. That's they're the best, and they walk through everyone shoving their belts in their faces, and they shake hands. And the uh, tag team title match is not set for revolution, as we'd called. But for Wednesday, and on the graphic that I saw, for the TNT Championship, apparently. Yeah, apparently. <laughs> but what did you think about all this? I've got two different thoughts, right? First is that I always say there's a good version and a bad version of things that are, of everything, sometimes. There's a good and bad version of things that are ordinarily bad, and there's a good and bad version of things that are ordinarily good. This was a good version of something that's ordinarily bad in yeah. that I can absolutely 1 million percent by that Jeff Jarrett wants to get a promo train started because he's an inveterate carny who wants to be on television at every conceivable opportunity. Ditto Gun Club, whose MO is just getting on telly, getting in the psyche of FTR. It, this is within each character's MO, okay? And then it gets better because the interruption is something that fans actually want, a big FTR versus acclaimed tease, which we are to learn later in the show, that it's not just a tease, it's a, you know, promotion, Mm -hmm. hype for what's going to come. I am going to let this play out. They might have this absolutely incredible angle um, up their sleeves. However, to my cynical, maybe misplaced cynicism, I don't want to be that guy who goes, oh, this is automatically rubbish and I can see where it's going to go, particularly when I've loved the last two episodes of Dynamite, okay? I'm trying to be the let it play out guy, the... 
just, you know, they've earned my yeah. letter play out yes, credentials, yes, yeah, yeah, yeah. speaking personally. It sure as hell seems to me, Adam Wilborn, that FTR versus the Acclaimed for the first time on Dynamite is a kind of a glorified angle or at least a pretext for whatever FTR are doing at ROH Final Battle, by which I mean... Well, wait a second. That's this weekend. Yeah. The timing of this is very, very sus and potentially very disheartening. If it plays out as it does, I don't want to bury it before it happens. Yes. I'll bury it when it happens. And preemptively bury it a little bit. <laughs> yeah. This is where ROH becomes a massive imposition. What even is ROH? It's just some thing with three different letters and more different championships, just diluting everything. Mm. It just goes to show that all monopoly in pro wrestling is bad, irrespective of, of who holds the monopoly. Vince McMahon, always bad because... He always did WCW and ECW in his own image and wrapped it around his own storyline quirks as a booker. All Monopoly is bad. Even if I like AEW, I don't want other companies to be AEW, which ROH essentially is, except with just less lesser brand value. FTR versus the acclaimed, okay. You could build the hell out of this thing and do it at Revolution. And at this moment in time, if you want to build a title match, and right, here are the two hottest teams we've got. FTR and the acclaimed. When's our next pay-per-view? Revolution. This match is already hot. People already want it. Both acts are all the way over. What if we build on top of this and make Revolution and the tag match feel like something really special indeed? That's gone now because you're doing it on TV, I think, for Gun Club to screw FTR out of it. There are hints. I've guessed this, and they don't take Nostradamus to, to to foresee what's happening here because one, Gun Club are in the segment that set this up, mm-hmm. and two, the acclaimed were talking about at some point having to contend with Jarrett and uh, Lethal. So you can see how those two matches happen kind of as a result of this one match, FTR versus the acclaimed. Very convenient, yeah. I miss the days when it just felt like the pay per view was taking ages to get here because you were so hyped. I miss the days when you were allowed to be so hyped about one particular match because it felt elusive, premium, unmissable. If you don't catch it here, you're probably not going to catch it for several months after the fact. You're missing out if you don't watch this match after it's been built out the ass for ages. Unless for 12 minutes before what I would describe as the expected interference happens. Unless those 12 minutes are like... 12 of the best minutes you've seen in tag team wrestling all year. You're just kind of killing my interest in what yeah. could be an absolutely massive, massive match, right? And look, Revolution 2020, Bucks versus Omega and uh, Page. Oh, I remember that. It was quite good. It was awesome. They'd interacted quite frequently in eight-man tags, all four men, and in a four-way tag of Bash at the Beach. So I'm not saying you can't have them not touch a la Cody versus MGF at Revolution. There's different ways of building a match, but the fact that you're wasting, or potentially wasting, because I can't see this going to a definitive result no. of being a 30-minute classic or whatever, or the best version of itself, shall we say. Indeed. The fact that you're potentially wasting your biggest AEW tag team title match right now to build a far inferior or less buzzworthy ROH tag team title match at Final Battle, for me, misplaced priorities out yes. the ass. And I'm sorry, mega fans, forgive me. I'll probably repeat this verbatim on the Dynamite preview. Yeah, exactly. We'll talk more about it on uh, on Wednesday for that. Um, 
I'm begging you, Tony. No more signings. No more belts. Tony Khan. We're going to do it anyway. When's he going to do it? Like, when is he going to do it? I think he's going to do it on... This rampage, baby. In... Oh, no, no, I got this. Yeah! Sheed is defending the Regina DeWave Championship against Bunny um, off the back of stuff between them. Cool. <laughs> right, let's talk. Because Jeff Jarrett and Jay Lethal had just wandered down and everyone else had left at this point. They're just like, everyone casually, yep, cool, handshakes and see you later. Because it was time for Jeff Jarrett and Jay Lethal versus Private Party and all the intrigue that comes with uh, them, obviously, being with the firm. Um, Jay Lethal, say Kaz, and he started. I could tell Jay Lethal was having the best time doing this match, and I kind of got into it as a result of that. Like he was, he was wooing, he was tagging with Jeff Jarrett, which must just be so much fun. Jeff Jarrett strutting around. Um, I want to give a great uh, shout out as well to Isaiah Castor, who did a great sell of like, I can't get to my corner, I can't get to my corner. When he eventually did, like, got out of it and he pulled all this mad stuff to get to Mark Quinn. I thought it was it was really good. Uh, thought Matt Hardy was going to get murdered by Satnam Singh at one point. <laughs> And, uh, yeah, the, the heels dominate for the most part. Like I say, Mark Quinn gets the hot tag, hits Lethal with a, a drop kick, takes out Jarrett with a dive to the outside. They hit the silly string on Jay Lethal. Quinn goes for the 450, but Lethal gets out of the way. Um, Jarrett breaks up a cradle and then holds Quinn in position for the, the, the stroke-slash-lethal injection combo and the win for Jeff Jarrett and Jay Lethal here. Yeah, that tandem finisher is a great idea that potentially needs to be rule-tested a little bit more. Look, this was quite fun, I guess. Um, it just felt like the commercial break happened and then, like, straight to the finish. Mm. That was a bit weird. Um, maybe I wasn't paying that much attention. I did watch it this morning, bleary-eyed, because I did not set my alarm because I was not interested particularly in watching this show. felt to me like, yes, I did like the Isaiah Cassidy um, face and peril spot that you've highlighted. Other than that, it felt like four lads having a bit of fun with Jeff Jarrett Strutt. Yes. Whether they were... Like getting a house involved, show bit. Yeah, yeah. yeah, whether we're getting involved with them on the same team or whether they were mocking it in the case of Private Party. And then it just kind of went to a finish. Mm. If you told me, October 9th, 2019, the second ever episode of Dynamite, Private Party defeat the Young Bucks yeah. in the first round of the inaugural tag team title tournament in an absolutely fantastic breakthrough match. If you had told me, right, okay, in... Uh, Four years, three years? Three years. Three years' time. That, uh, yeah, private party are going to lose the TV match to Jeff Jarrett. By the way, having never won the tag team titles, you'd think. That was Tony Khan comp book then. <laughs> yes. after, after a really, really promising start. Like an incredibly promising start. Oh, that's a shame he can't book because he can't be losing to Jeff Jarrett. I understand that doesn't scan as much of a disgrace now as it would have done on October 9th because, you know, private party have regressed. I think they were, they were regressing before the massive expansion, before the absolute inability to do impulse control on the part of Tony Khan. But it's still impulse control. Mm. It's still signing upon signing upon signing upon signing. It's still the optics of having a such a promising tag team lose to Jeff Jarrett in 2022 is still bad. Look, um... Send these boys to Dragon Gate. Yeah. Send these fellas to Dragon Gate private party because they are so, they still hold so much potential. So oh, much absolutely. potential. They Some need glimpses a, of it here, yeah. They need a loop. 
They need to get tight. I'm starting to wonder, and I've actually I've wondered this for quite some time. This company is so future focused. Let's get him over. Let's get him over. Right, even before they're over, that's another young guy that we think can really make us some money. They are so future focused, and simultaneously. They lack the mechanisms almost entirely to get that future ready for the next spots because they don't do house shows. They don't really do excursions. I don't know what they expect to happen. You know what I mean? Like, yeah, no, what, I get what, what are you from. expecting to happen from this? Like, how are you expecting to see improvement? Which would be fine if you were just very present focused and you were just revolving your entire storylines around a group of 12 to 16 guys and everyone else was, but you know, you're not. You're trying to get Yuta, Garcia, Private Party, Jungle Boy, Sammy Guevara, Darby Allen, MGF, who has got over. Obviously, Darby Allen and Jungle Boy have as well. And then you've got like just so many other young talents. Get them over. Let's try and get them over. Them next, them next, them next, them next, yeah. them next. And at this point, there are as many, if not more, failures than successes. Yeah. Uh, and I know you're concerned, but don't worry, there's going to be more firm stuff later okay. to look forward to. Soraya sat down with Renee Paquette, uh, talks about her first match in five years at Full Gear. Uh, she talks about how amazing it was to have her brother there, of course, how emotional it all was, how special it was, and the fact there was three women's matches on the pay-per-view. Yeah. Uh, and she uh, she says, look, I appreciate what Tony Storm had to say, but uh, I won that world title too. Which is an exciting prospect, as we sort of alluded to on the preview. Look, I like this. Nothing to do cartwheels over, but just a nice little couple of minutes on the wrestling show. Um, anytime you have a bit of chemistry between your interviewer and your subject, it's always good because you have to advance storylines and character arcs through this uh, vehicle. And if you get two people who can convincingly mm. work a real-life conversation, great. That means I can invest in what I'm seeing. And I think it was a very, very gentle step forward for Soraya in that she actually put the women's division over as opposed to kind of frame it as this thing that I need to make better because I'm the former ex-WWE star. Mm. And it's, uh, it's a bit rubbish, actually, isn't it? I'm here. To, it's my house, so I'm going to save the day. Even though that's not untrue, it kind of does need saving or it needs a lot more attention. You don't say that quite part yeah. loud. She'd been guilty of that. This felt like a minor course correction because she did put at least two women over and she articulated I want that title it's not going to be bloody easy but I want it yes. which is a marked departure from what she'd been saying patting them on the head like she did initially and also I should mention there was a bit of clarification uh, regarding women's revolution on Smackdown uh, Riddick Moss informed us that it was Emma that did that so thanks for sorry for all that uh, Athena versus Danny Mo. Um I was in a good mood watching Rampage I will say this because I just watched England beat Senegal and uh, so I did watch it on Saturday morning at the first available opportunity. I did not know the World <laughs> Cup ruined my wrestling enjoyment. Like, <laughs> but I tell you what, I did enjoy Athena. Yeah, I love Danny Mo from the, the brief things that I saw of her. But I, I sorry, but I enjoyed getting her ass kicked, forearm suplexes, Falcono, and I was like, cool, this can be the finish for me. I'm happy. Uh, Danny Mo did kick out though, and Athena was like. Guess didn't she to... do the lift the head up thing instead? Sorry, yes, she didn't kick out. What am yeah. I talking about? He's like, oh, not yet. And then uh, she decides, might have to kick another referee's ass, actually. Um, she almost gets rolled up. It gets kicked and goes, nah, not today. Forearm, uh, and then the sort of, I don't know, it's like a backbreaker into a, into a code breaker almost that she does. It's like a knees to the face thing. One, two, three. Uh, both matches like... 
Actually, I want to kick some more ass. So she starts chucking Mo around uh, on the outside. Uh, referees come out to stop her. She doesn't care anyway. She wrecks her, calls out Mercedes Martinez, who, of course, she's going to face on uh, the weekend at uh, final battle. And I thought she was going to attack Aubrey Edwards again. Yeah. God, what a reinvention for Athena. Love Athena. Wish she wasn't doing ROH stuff, but hopefully yeah. um, if she wins that belt, she can be on TV more or she narrowly avoids it or whatever. Just more Athena in an AEW context because I just think her and Storm and her and Hater and she could really mix it up with the actual big guns. Uh, no offense to Mercedes Martinez, but it's not really worked, has it? No. Um, it, it, it might, yeah, she's suffered through injury and all the rest of it, but she hasn't really lived up to her rep. We'll see in final battle. What I love about professional wrestling is the sheer potential it has as a storytelling medium, which I think AEW has explored wonderfully and really sort of elevated a lot of my fandom as a result. It's also the best storytelling medium when you keep it incredibly simple and that simple stuff is just extremely effective. I love being able to go oof mm. when you see a simple move. When you just see, I don't like, I don't, I watch people get dropped on their heads all day. Amazing. Probably shouldn't do it all that often. And if you don't have to do that, don't do it. These forearms are amazing. They really, really get me sort of in that sort of combat zone, animalistic frame of mind where you're watching. It's like, get in. And if, if a forearm can do it, then the rest of her work's going to be fantastic. Like, Athena's been incredible in AEW of late. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, love what they've done with her. Not quite the same, but yeah, in terms of, like, Powerhouse Hobbs taking back the Spinebuster is like, oh, that's a finisher. Yeah. That's a, that ends it. This isn't just a transition thing, but yeah. Uh, love, love Athena, and, and this has absolutely got me intrigued for uh, the pay-per-view at the weekend, uh, which will also feature Samoa Joe versus Juice Robinson for the ROH TV title. Uh, Juice Robinson, now All Elite. Again, another one where I'm like, stop it, Tony, stop signing people. All right, can I have that one? Because I like Juice Robinson. I'd, I'd have signed Juice Robinson all day, every day in 2018 and 19. feel like... He's regressed, not as over as he once was, not as interesting as he once was. It's signing too far for me. Hopefully, he's literally only been signed because there's a streaming deal for ROH in the works and he needs to mm. bulk up the roster because, look, it's a good talent who's possibly out of form. No, don't, do not need that. Okay, fair enough. Um, busy week for Samojo. Dolby Allen uh, challenged him to a TNT championship match. That uh, timing's sus as well. Yeah. I don't know why he'd beat Derby, unless you're not going to beat Derby. But we'll talk about that in the preview. Exactly. Uh, and then we got the the back and forth. Best friends brought axes. And uh, Mark Henry says, it's a lumberjack match, but you can't, you can't take axes to the ring. Uh, and uh, Orange Cassidy wants to get a few more words in, but unfortunately, Mark Henry says... Which was, of course, a lumberjack match for the All-Atlantic Championship between Orange Cassidy and QT Marshall. I love QT Marshall in these sorts of spots. I think he does a sensational job. When I'm watching it, I do. I don't necessarily get excited. No, no, yeah. But, but when the experience happens, it's usually very, very good. Um, not to disregard a lot of things that happened here. Mordecai's All Elite? What's going on here? <laughs> you see this? Kevin Thorne as part of the Lumberjacks. Uh, 
But uh, what? <laughs> huh? I was like, I'll swear. I think it was in a picture in picture. I'll swear, Jr. went record four, and it makes sense. Like they've just got people, uh, you know, to add, to add to the lumberjacks. But I think that's the least of AEW's problems. They don't I, need people. They've got people. I was going to say, you yeah. want to geek them up though. There's yeah, a certain uh, level of talent in a lumberjack match. It's either. Acts associated with the... Yeah, so you have the factory and best yeah, friends yeah. there. And then he can't have, like, Hook there or something. <laughs> Can you imagine? Not that yet. would be quite good, because he'd just stand there and eat crisps. Missed opportunity for a gag. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, it was just so surreal to see uh, realtor Kevin Thorne, a.k.a. Mordecai, uh, just hanging around and occasionally sticking a boot in someone. So bizarre. <laughs> Anyway, uh, at one point, Orange Cassidy got to get chucked to the outside, and all the, the you know the lumberjacks around him, and he brutally kicks all of them, of course. Um, but the, you know the main thing about this match, of course, wasn't the championship; it was the argument between Ethan Page and Matt Hardy. Thoughts? I've got so few. <laughs> it was just like this is really w- this is w- really we're we doing this now, are we? This is AEW's version of Dexter Loomis and the Miz. The amount of build. Like the disproportion is just outrageous here. The amount of build and build and rubbish build and rubbish build going into a match that's got no chance of being very good is what's like what's the point? This is genuinely a waste of valuable TV resource. I could be having so much fun watching great stuff. I could be reminded, for example, of why I should give a toss about Wheeler Utah and Daniel Garcia right now because it feels like much of this year has been wasted when it comes to them two. I still think they're great, but if you again, the amount of TV time that's gone into building Utah and Garcia, and I know they're gonna have a great match at Final Battle, I don't care about it because it's the third one they've had for that yeah. title this year. Minimal build for it. I've seen it already. They're nowhere near. Like you've spent so much money and TV time on Moxie Danielson, Jericho, and Claudio, and Regal to really try and get Garcia and Utah over. And it's failed because I don't care about this match. And it's not just me. I think a lot of people are like, yeah. use the TV time that you're not using on Hardy and Page, who aren't really getting this stuff over at all, on just more reminders of the people I've been told to invest in throughout the year. Why should I be investing in them again? Remind me yeah. through your television vehicle. Because otherwise, it just feels like a lot of stuff that... They don't care about as much anymore. It's just happening in front of me, and I'm bored. Yeah, I had no sympathy. When Ethan Page was like, you leave, but you got to leave, I think it was Isaiah Cassidy here. He's staying because he's part of the firm, and we're lumberjacks, but you got to fuck off, Matt Hardy. And he was all like, oh, no, guys. And I was like, I don't care. Show me QT Marshall bumping around for Orange Cassidy. That's all I really That's care about. Care, and the fact that they've got, like, Tony Khan's there. He's got a big, big whiteboard, right? And I stand there, and he's got, okay, okay, guys. On this whiteboard, we got, uh, you know, uh, let's say, uh, no, Jamie Hayter's going to be a babyface. Uh, Jamie Hayter versus Britt Baker for the women's title. We got MJF versus Brian Danielson. We've got uh, the, the Elite versus House of Black uh, for the trios titles. We've got the Acclaimed versus FDR. Uh, but the big question is, uh, what are we doing for Matt Hardy's big match at the pay-per-view? I don't care. No. I don't care. And I don't want it to be like, oh, this is the big, the big issue. I've already got distracted because Mordecai's one of the lumberjacks. I don't need any more distractions from this lumberjack match. Anyway, go to a break. We come back. Goes for the beach break, but he's all oh, bloody back, gives out. And uh, K 
Cassidy manages to fight back, though, and hit a spinning DDT. But the factory saved Marshall, pull him out of the ring so he doesn't get hit with the orange punch. Uh, so Marshall goes to pile drive Cassidy on the ring apron, but Danhausen shows up to, to curse Marshall. Danhausen gets pulled off the apron. There's a big brawl, all the lumberjacks, and Cassidy uh, jumps onto all of them, and they all brawl to the back. And then, who should have been? I forgot about this bit. Who should appear? Uh, Penelope Ford. And um, as Cassidy's going up top, there's Kip Sabian. Remember him? Right. He shoves Orange Cassidy off the top into a diamond cutter. I was like, oh, my God, he's losing the All-Atlantic Championship. No, near fall. Marshall goes for another diamond cutter. Cassidy catches him with the orange punch. Beach break gets him the one, two, three. He retains the All-Atlantic Championship. Right, we'll do... And then, there's another and then coming, and then he brawls with Sabian to the back. Let's stop there for the time being. Thoughts on the finish of this match and the return of Kip Sabian? Look, again, one of those things where if you're in the building, you'd be having a lovely old time watching this. Didn't feel like a title match. It's just a bit of fun. Again, in the main event of a TV show, I can't really invest in it at that level, but QT Marshall bumping like an asshole. Just showing, Great, all, just showing all the ass. This guy pulls Moonies for a living, and he's really, really good at it. And just the moment where he's about to uh, do something, presumably a powerbomb to Cassidy on the apron, and to break his neck. Yes. Good. You're an evil man. That's what you should be into doing, even if you're not, in fact, going to do it because it's going to get reversed. His curse counter to Dan Housen, where he just took up the Vs, just so childish but so good. And, yeah, he spent the majority of this match just making... Cassidy's stuff look very credible and also not credible, but in a very funny way because that's just how he bumps and he's very funny. What are they doing with Kip Sabian? I understand they want to do something. I understand that, look, in the pandemic, he was there. Very few people could be there, but he was there. Um, he was able to be there and he showed out. And then he got a bad injury and they're being loyal to Kip Sabian. Kip Sabian had an idea that might have worked in 2019. Oh, has he got a box on his head? Oh, that's interesting. Oh, he's still got the box on his head. Who? Oh, it's all right. Okay. Who could possibly care about that when you've got CM Punk, Brian Danielson, Adam Cole, Swerve, Nar Glory, uh, Athena, Tony Storm, like Shibata, you know, <laughs> Kojima, all of these talents who've just been in AEW making it much better. It's at the Gargano thing. Sorry, I've had us wait a couple of weeks when people are like, there hasn't been that hot debut in a while. I can come in AEW and really sort of, oh, Christ, there's another one. Right, if I can just wait three weeks after that one, all right, okay, there's another one on Rampage after the Dynamite I've just talked about. You can't tell this kind of story in the modern age. Even MGF struggled to get this Pillman stuff over. You were meant to be asking every day, oh, God, I miss MGF. It gets worse every day. Where is he? Because the news cycle's so relentless. Tony Khan is so undisciplined with the rest of his booking that you can't cultivate a like multi-stranded sort of week-to-week-to-week-to-week-to-week mystery anymore because on all of those weeks, you're trying to do things quietly in the background. The foreground is too exciting. Yes. So you just can't do it anymore. But, so he does all this, and then he plays just the worst composite Batman comic book villain figure <laughs> you've ever yeah. seen. He looks like an arsehole in there. Like, I, I think Kip Sabian must be a really nice lad. When I was watching him in that pack match, I thought, my God, you've spent a year building this character. You spent all that long workshop and ideas. You, you could have done a better one than this because it's goofy. It's so bad. It's 
like it's as fake as Eddie Kingston is real. That's how I would describe Ooh, this. Oh, I like that. Kip saving character. Then he loses to Pac rather unceremoniously in 10 minutes in a match that, because Pac was in it, had no right to be as mid as it was. Mm. And then he goes away. On and zero then, hour, wasn't it, as well? Yeah, yeah, yeah. All out zero hour. And now he's back teasing an All-Atlantic title match? Yeah. How does this work? Terrible. They're going to build a match. They're going to do a stupid three-star rampage match out of this. But there's no logical reason for it to take place. Again, I'll let it play out. I'll deal the hands as they come. But that's that was my inkling. It doesn't take, like, no rocket scientist. Oh, he's interfered. Yeah. The babyface might take... I mean, you can just ask. That. Yeah, just ask. Genuinely, just ask Orange Cassidy and he'll say, yeah, it's cool. Well, that's another plot hole. Everyone who doesn't ask looks like an asshole because they're not watching the TV. Did you see what happened after it went off the air? What is this? Is this the... House of Black. Yeah, so you can say, post... After that happened, the Lumberjacks are all brought in. And I'm like, cool, big brawl to end the show again on Rampage. The lights go out, and I was like, oh, business is about to pick up. There's the House of Black. They murder everyone. I got scared first. Did you see the colour? It was tinted. Yes. It looked like Hell in a Cell 2019. I, I was like, turn that, turn that off now. For a split second, yeah, they, the lights go down, the lights come back up. It's red light, uh, and the House of Black are in the ring. And they start attacking people, and the light doesn't change. And, yeah, I was exactly the same. I was like... No, no, put the lights back yeah, on. Yeah, put the lights back on, actually. And they did, obviously. Um, interesting, w- w- weird thing. So they're going to hit the Dante's Inverno double team thing with, with Matthews and, and King on Ortiz. And Malachi Black goes, ah, no, not him. And then they hit it on Serpentico. And I thought, ooh, that's interesting. And then they go to the outside to kick the crap out of everyone. And I'm fairly certain the first person that Malachi Black kicked was Ortiz. <laughs> So I don't know what's going on there. Regardless, the House of Black kill everyone as we get off the air. I know they could be down. Um, the Ortiz things, maybe they're just leaving an opportunity there. Maybe they're just parking something. If we do something with Ortiz here, we can revisit that if we don't think of anything else for him to do. And he can join the House of Black or something. The off-air thing, did you see what they did with Cutler? No. They... Isolated Cutler, who, like an idiot, was just filming his own beatdown, and it was really <laughs> funny. And they put him through a table, and Malachi Black pulled up a chair, folded it, sat on it, and was saying, you're just a small part of the big problem with this company. Oh, I saw some so tweets a, about this. He was teasing the elite showdown at some point. So that was really nice. Yeah. But if, maybe, because he was already there as a lumberjack, there's not a capital D. This is a lowercase Deft. Question mark at the end of it, yeah. Deft. Because you're making use of someone who's already there for a reason, and it's kind of good. Better than doing a law promo about the elite. Yeah. Wilborn, I'm the biggest elite fan of this office, you think? Yeah, that's fair to say. I've written a book about AEW, which incidentally you can buy right oh. now if you're going to want some reading to do with the holidays. You know, you love your family, but only so much. <laughs> and you want some quiet time away from them. You're thinking, oh, well, you know, I've got some time off. If you have, if you're lucky enough over Christmas or whichever holiday you celebrate, and you're thinking, yeah, what if I get bored of all my Christmas presents? Or what if I don't get any Christmas presents? And you order yourself one. <laughs> Becoming All Elite, 120,000 passionate, insightful words all about the formation and indeed rise of yeah. AEW. And you can order it just wherever you live on Amazon. I'm the biggest elite guy. Much of that book is focused on the elite and their rise. Okay? Yeah. The prospect of the elite and the House of Black, even for me, I'm like, oh, that's cringe. 
Like I can imagine, I can imagine, I can imagine cringing heavily throughout this. But that was a good little start. Yes, exactly. Uh, well, let us know your thoughts on AW Rampage on Twitter at WhatCultureWWE. Well, actually, you can follow both of us. You can follow Michael Sidgwick at M Sidgwick. Follow me at Adam Wilborn. Follow us all at WhatCultureWWE. As I said, make sure you subscribe to What Culture Wrestling wherever you get your podcasts from. Uh, for daily wrestling podcasts, myself and Hamlet have already reviewed SmackDown earlier on today, and me, Hamlet, and Sidgwick will be back later on today to look ahead to Monday Night Raw. Raw. But for now, this has been the Rampage Review. My thanks to Michael Sidgwick. Thank you for joining us. And we will see you soon. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com slash style for free shipping and 365-day returns.